Welcome back to another edition of the Pat's Pints podcast. We are back with the same crew from the last edition. That is myself, Pat Woodward, Mark Richards. Howdy, howdy, Pat. What's up? (laughs) Not much. We're outdoors. Do you hear the birds chirping in the background? Not at the moment, but I... I sure do. There they are. There they are. Do you smell the fire in the background? I can absolutely smell the fire. This is a great setting for a summer podcast. Now, we're also joined by Hans Gorsuch. I'm here. Who has practically a regular on this podcast at this stage of the game. Yeah, he's been barred from pretzels on this episode, (laughs) although I see some at the table. And our guest of honor today, uh, coming back from the last podcast... Chris Mercerhill, Canadian expat, because today we're going to dive into the world of Canadian beers. Gretzky across the line, feeds Messier, Messier back to Gretzky, top shelf, the goal! Well done. Thank you. Nice, nailed it. And uh, that sounded very Canadian. Beauty. I'm not going to sound less Canadian as a drink (laughs) beer, I'm just just putting that out there. We're starting with Rickard's Red. Oh, I've, I never had heard of this until you introduced us to it. Yeah, this is sort of my introduction to the non-macro brew. This is garnet, man. This is uh, really red. It's a, it's a pretty beer. It's super clear. It's got a nice red color. Growing up, when you move past your Molson Canadian and your Labatt Blue, or when you decide not to make or a Laker, which is like a buck a beer, a uh, cheap beer, this was sort of the, the entry point into uh, non-yellow lager beer for me, and I think a lot of people, too, so... So this beer is sort of, a, I think, a gateway to craft beer for a lot of people, and uh, it certainly was for me. It is a craft brewery named Rickards, uh, which has been purchased by Molson. Molson Coors, uh, Miller Coors, that's the whole sort of uh, corporate uh, tanglement there. But it's, uh, it's a great beer that you can find on tap, uh, you know, as soon as you touch down in the airport, uh, pretty much any bar or restaurant you go to uh, with eight or more taps, this is going to be one of them kind of a thing. So... Uh, it's a it's a tasty beer. It's a good place to start. How many loonies would uh, one cough up for a sixer of this? A sixer of this, you'd probably be looking at a fistful of loonies. It'd be maybe <laughs> twelve, fifteen bucks. I don't know. Fistful of loonies. Yeah, wow. that, that'd make it good Canadian Western. Yeah, you've never seen fistful of loonies. No, <laughs> no I'm down though. <laughs> oh man, could you expect beer to cost? 12 or 15 dollars per six pack yeah i mean free health care ain't free you know so the taxes are a little higher okay uh prices are a little higher uh generally um we're, we have a lot of uh 16 ounce cans that we're gonna sample later on these would probably go for about three bucks a piece reminds me a little bit of like killian's irish red or something like that i would agree kind of maybe a little more malty and dry not, with some good bitterness at the yeah, end yeah not super sweet yeah. with that with that malt character it does have kind of a Kind of a rich malt character and, and matches its hue, but yeah. Yeah, it's real pretty. It's, uh, I always describe it to people as uh, if you drink this beer out of a dirty glass, it's like drinking Killian's. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So uh, there's one less sponsor, Pat. Yeah, that's okay. We've got so many sponsors that <laughs> we, just, we, we, we can afford to lose a few. I know, like that guy across the fence, he's still <laughs> looking at us. In the whole Miller, Coors, Molson triumvirate of imperialism who merged first do you know and i don't really know how miller coors works in this country but i believe molson is the head of that particular food chain then ab imbev bought labat which is labat blue those are sort of the the yin and the yang of canadian macro brews 
So those are sort of the big two. Interesting uh, story to me and maybe the people at this table and maybe nobody else, but that's okay. They, they've made Rickards Red for decades. And they came out with a plan to like make other beers as well. So they for a while they were making a uh, Honey Brown. They made a Rickards White, which was uh, really tasty. It was kind of a Belgian wit kind of a thing. Okay. It, it came out right around the time Blue Moon was really kind of increasing popularity. And I had a couple head to head, and I was like, "This is this tastes to me like the same beer." And when you think about them being corporate cousins, yeah. that um, Coors owns Blue Moon, yeah, yeah. right? It's uh, there was probably a little recipe share in there somewhere. <laughs> so it could be the same beer in a different package. Could very well be the same. Yeah, beer. yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. It's a nice beer. It's a fine beer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, speaking of uh, languages, you know, on the front of this bottle, you. Now, Pat, I'm going to stop you right there because <laughs> that's going to be. You out. may encounter some French words. <laughs> During our time together, some of the things you said are a little bit like nails on a chalkboard. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. So, yeah, all the labels, you know, Canada is an officially bilingual country, so all the labels are in English and French. Stick to the English. Yeah, stick to the English. I will, I will try to do that. Okay. We, we would all appreciate it. Merci beaucoup. <laughs> Don't even. <laughs> now, if we get in our time machine and we're to go back to, let's say, I don't know, 1990, before there were a lot of microbreweries, as they were called back then, would you say there's much difference between Canadian macro lager and American macro lager? Well, of course I would, because I'm biased uh, and uh, proud and patriotic, and I would say all the Canadian macro brewers are way better than those useless, watery American <laughs> macro brews, and I would stand by that, and I would fight you, and I would drop gloves, and I'd pull a jersey over your head, and I would just wail on you. Do you have a favorite Canadian macro brew? Uh, do I know? Did I? Maybe. I probably went more Molson Canadian than the Molson well, Canadian. Yeah, I went through a phase where I was all about Molson Canadian. It had a maple leaf on it. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. patriotic. No, nothing more Canadian than that. That's I mean, it. You know, when we bought our current house in Clintonville, we did the whole house hunt thing and went all over the place, and it was it was difficult to find a house we liked. And went down to the basement of our current house, and I found a bottle of Molson Canadian sitting on the electrical box and i was like well it's there, a sign it's a sign this is the this is home you know i brought some micro brewed beers today for us to try and you know i'm a i'm an expat so i've been in the States for almost 20, for about 20 years now. So I don't feel like I have my finger on the pulse of the Canadian craft beer scene, but I wanted to bring some beers that are both interesting and tasty and from good breweries. And I think some of them you can actually find in central Ohio if you look, if you look hard enough, which could be kind of fun if uh, someone wants to seek them out. That's a useful thing because our listenership in Canada, pretty small last time I checked. My mom listens to every episode <laughs> and she's a big fan and she procured these beers for us so this i mean this is the one that's going to blow up right well mrs mercer hill i think she could be instrumental to us breaking through north of the border that's it i mean she's uh she's huge on social media when she when she pops this one it's it's a matter of time brace yourself pat you think you think you got people climbing on the fence now i mean look out (laughs) now maybe you can tell the listeners what part of canada you're from and where your mom lives now is that the same place yeah well i was born in toronto and then raised in burlington which is kind of a suburb of a suburb of a suburb kind of thing 50 kilometers, 33 miles to the west, right along the lake, Lake Ontario. And in fact, one of the breweries we have today is Nickelbrook. They're from Burlington, Ontario. 
Uh, and my mom is, uh, is really fantastic. One of the things, uh, that she does is she, uh, she says, Hey, I'm coming down for a visit. Do you want any beer? And I say, yeah, uh, <laughs> as you would. Well, sure. You're not going to turn it down. Right. And so she loads up the car with her 24 beer limit, uh, which you can take across the border duty free and, uh, loads up the trunk. And, uh, she's a, she's a retired accountant. So she has a spreadsheet of all the beers that she's bought. Dang. She likes seeking them out. And, uh, it's a, it's, she doesn't drink beer. But she likes looking but at the she's labels. she's a beer and, hunter. Yeah, she's a beer hunter. So I just release her in Ontario, and she comes back with giant sacks full of cans of beer, and uh, we thank her and uh, toast her, and it's great. Well, speaking of Nickelbrook, I think everyone's glass is empty, except for Mark's, but I'm sure will be by the time we get around to him. Are they named after the treasure of a band born <laughs> in Canada, Brooke. the Nickelback? Brooke. Is that your favorite band? Is it's that Brooke. why you chose this as the first selection? Have you ever had a podcast guest storm off? <laughs> Is that what you're going for here? I want to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so which one did you pick here, Pat? This is the, oh yeah, the Duplicitous Citra Dry Hopped Sour Beer. 4% alcohol by volume. Zero IBUs, it says. So that's well, you don't want to get a lot of bitterness when you're throwing it in with the sour, do you? That's fair. So Nickelbrook, I believe, started in Oakville, Ontario, kind of bounced around, had a couple of different names before they settled on Nickelbrook. Um, they've got a nice uh, tap room that I've only driven by, but it's kind of on my to-do list to stop by. Our Canadian craft brewery tap room is pretty similar to in the U.S. Does almost everyone have one? I think it's fairly common for a brewery to have a tap room. We should talk maybe briefly about distribution. In Ontario, every province does it differently. In Ontario, uh, the macro breweries own something called the Beer Store, uh, which is kind of the only place you can buy beer. There's also a provincially operated liquor store called the LCBO, the Liquor Control Board of Ontario. And so microbreweries have found their way into selling beer there, presumably because they've sort of been elbowed out of the beer store by the macrobreweries. Um, recently, there's been some changes in the beer store, and that's kind of going away or changing significantly, and you will be able to find beer for sale in other places. I think distribution is is probably one of the limiting factors of the growth of Canadian craft beer, because a lot of you know bar and grill restaurants, you go down the street, you get a burger, and you look at the tap list, and it's eight macro brews. And it might be something like Rickard's Red, which doesn't look like it, but is owned by you know, yeah. one, of the, one of the big three or whatever type of thing. So I find it harder to find microbrews uh, just at a local restaurant place. Whereas in, you know, central Ohio, you go to a restaurant and it's, you can get your Bud and your Miller Lite or whatever. But then there's also like, oh, these two from this local brewery and this one from this, you know, it's, it's just more common on the tap list to support the locals. And I don't see that a lot in Canada yet. But you're not going to grab them at the grocery store, and you're not going to get them at the gas station. Correct. Not currently. Although, I think, I think that is on the verge of changing, which will be mind-blowing. You know, we've all seen Strange Brew, I think, right? Where you, that scene where they wander into the beer store, and they, there's the conveyor belt on the right for empties, and those go into the back, and you tell the guy what you want, and out they roll on the other conveyor belt. I mean, I've been to beer stores like that, where it's... You don't see the product because the product's on the list and there's no advertisement because there's no competition. You know, it's it's yeah. really kind of crazy. That's changed. There's a lot more mm. 
hats and shirts and stuff and wander in and pick them out and read the labels and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, it's really been, um, really constrained growth, certainly in Ontario and probably the other provinces as well. Well, I've got to tell you this, uh, Nickel Baruch, this Nickel Brook, in spite of their shitty music, this is a very good dry hop sour. This reminds me of our sour hoppy fun time that Chris mm. makes up. It kind of uh, does. Yeah, it's it's tasty. I like this a lot. It's very refreshing. It's a very tart beer, I will say. It's this very is, tart. This isn't a little sour. This is a sour. Yeah, this it's, is very sour. It is. It's nice. I like it. Pretty straightforward on the sour. I would say there's yeah. not a lot of funk in it. So no, probably uh, kettle sour probably. and uh, fairly clean, citra hopped. It's good. that's in my glass right now it is uh air that's air we're just dying what are we having now pat i i'm pretty thirsty this evening i've got to say and the beers have been pretty sparing well we're moving on to a beer that has a lovely label it looks like a unicorn with a bird riding on the crazy And the unicorn's about to eat some flowers, or he might be sneezing flowers. I can't tell the difference. But this beer is called Jam Up the Mash, and Chris, this is by Collective Arts. Yeah, so this is our other dry-hopped sour. Collective Arts is out of Hamilton, Ontario. They're right at the tip of uh, Lake Ontario there. Canada's steel town. They're sort of the Pittsburgh of Canada. And in a similar way as, uh, you know, steel manufacturing has uh, left... North America, they've sort of had to look for other things to do. So a uh, pretty vibrant art scene in Hamilton, not unlike Pittsburgh. And this is a brewery that one of the things that is most notable, in addition to the use of unicorns on the label, is they have many different artists illustrating uh, works for their cans, which is always really eye-catching. I love that artwork. It's pretty tight. Yeah, it's really cool. We saw the four or five cans that I brought by. They're all all unique and all interesting. They you wouldn't look at these five images and say, yeah, they go together. But when you put the five cans together, you go, yeah, that's all the same brewery. Kind of a neat thing. Collective Arts uh, won a World Beer Cup bronze medal for their robust porter in 2016. Okay. I love that you so, know that. This has a very similar aroma to the Duplicitous. However, it tastes remarkably different, this beer. It's all right. It's not as sour. First off, and very citrus forward, I would say. Yes, indeed. What kind of hops were used in the uh, hopping of this? Vic Secret, Citra, and Mosaic. I think I think our last dry hop sour was only the Citra hops, so a little more uh, diverse lineup there. And because it's not as acidic, it benefits from some hop bitterness that the other one didn't have. Now, Hamilton is home to the Tiger Cats. Is Correct. Yeah, of the CFL, right? The Canadian Football League, that's right. They uh, they actually were two teams, the Tigers and the... Cats? Yeah, I guess so. I don't even... <laughs> Just guessing. I was trying to remember where my story was going there. But yeah, two teams emerged to form the Tiger Cats. Okay. And their famous cheer is Oski Wee Wee, Oski Wah Wah, Holy Mackinac, Tigers, eat them raw. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that's a deep cut. He totally made that up. 
Yeah, that, I think that uh, I just recite Nickelback lyrics. That I don't know it. what to say. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> I've got a couple friends in Hamilton, so uh, is that right? Yeah, a good friend of mine named John Greeden lives in Hamilton. I don't know. If, I doubt he listens to this podcast. Hi to but, John. I have a friend in Hamilton who uh, we went to college together. Uh, and I decided to come down to the States and go to grad school. He decided to go to Saskatchewan and learn how to make guitars. And now he's a luthier. Wow. So hi to Ted, if you're listening. And I know you are. This one's more drinkable. Mostly just because of the acidity. Like, the other one really put the brakes on. Like, it was a sipper. Yeah. You really get the mosaic on the nose, yeah. too, on this one. That's what I was thinking. There's something yeah. different about the nose, and that's exactly what it is. That mosaic. Uh, I don't know how to describe it, but the mosaic hops. Cat pee, weed, and freshly cut grass. That sounds about right. So get, Mark yeah. doesn't know how to describe it either, <laughs> apparently. I sometimes get kind of a magic marker, like a permanent magic marker mm. smell from mosaics, which makes it, it kind of turns me off. It's not it's my not, favorite. If it was the only hop in this, I'd probably be turned off, but there's there's some balance there. It's not the only. Spending too no. much time around school supplies, I think. If yeah. That's so all that magic marker. You're not wrong. Uh, yeah. But I'm with you. It's a little less, a little less tart. It's got a little more nuance to it, maybe. There's a little bit of body to it. Where the, uh, I think the other one, I don't know if it was because of the acidity, but it would have been hard to describe anything about the malts and the other one. Yeah, I think it was. It was a little more one note with one hop. Maybe you'd expect that. But this yeah. is this is just a little more depth, maybe. If someone like most of our listeners was not that familiar with Canadian beer, what? Why should they care about Canadian beer? Is there anything? about Canadian beer that you're like, yeah, that's kind of a unique thing. Is there any terroir in, uh, in Canadian beer? Pat, that's a French word. We've talked about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is there, is there a Canadian terroir? I, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I think Canadian microbrewers, like microbrewers in, across Ohio and across the U.S., across the world, they're all kind of looking for their own niche and they're all yeah. looking for their own thing. I don't know that there's a national or regional thing. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's so new and so experimental that there's not necessarily one, anything necessarily that stands out as different. There's a lot more ice in the north. What about ice beers? (laughs) Icebach, for example. Well, I mean, the German Icebach, sure, but then what about Molson ice? Labatt ice. What about Carling ice? These are all these are all fine macro brick liquor ice. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of ice beers up there. What about maple? Do you find more maple beers in Canada? Because you probably do. I think Canadian brewers are not afraid to use maple as an adjunct. Uh, Flying monkeys, which uh, I think is on our list to try there. Uh, And that's one that is available uh, in central Ohio. In addition to uh, squeezing the hell out of some hops, there's a beer that they bottle and then they package in a box. It's a real nice, makes a lovely gift. Uh, it's called Acadian Groove, and I believe that has some maple in it. Okay. So, yeah, I've had a couple of Canadian beers with maple, but I wouldn't say all Canadian beers have maple in them or anything quite like that. Well, that would be a little bit stereotypical, wouldn't it, if you... Maybe a touch. Yeah. Maybe a touch on the nose. The maple rauk beer, for example. Yeah. That doesn't sound terrible, though. It doesn't sound bad. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be up for that. You got, like, the bacon and your, your, your maple pancakes, if you had the right kind of malt base... Could be Wasn't like breakfast in a can. Yeah, they made. Who made that donut, donut and bacon and? Oh, that was Rogue. Actually, on this last one, I think I figured out what's wrong with it. Uh, found a mouse uh, in a can. <laughs> <laughs> 
You trying like, to get some free beer? Well, Mark, like we had this party in a friend of ours. I think he was a cop. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and he puked. He puked. <laughs> and uh, he told us to maybe come here and we I, could get some free beer. I think beer. you and I need to take that can back to the brewery. Yeah, I think so. Let's go. You I think so. Beer, eh? take it to the Let's brewery. go. Now get out of here before I put the two of you in a bottle. Oh. <laughs> this is where the DJ talks. Don't say anything. Okay. Flying Monkeys is out of Barrie, Ontario, which is about an hour and a half north of Toronto. Cottage Country. This is the Juicy Ass IPA. That's it. And here I'm going to go against your wishes and I'm going to speak French. This is Bière Forte or Bière Fort. 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 Yeah. Which means strong Strong beer. Strong Strong beer. beer. Strong beer. Yeah, I think the labeling regulations are something. What I've deduced from the cans over the years is above five and a half or six percent, it has to be labeled that way. And this is 6.5% alcohol. There you go. And I think that speaks to the British influence because people in America do not consider 6.5% beer strong beer. Not, not anymore. Not, not anymore. now. Not but now. I think in the they early 90s, we totally yeah. would have. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Well, let's see. This is, uh, yeah, this is the Green Day inspired label. I can see that. Yeah. Dookie, I can get that. Right? Yeah. yeah. Especially that one there, the Juicy Ass IPA. That's a lot of head, Pat. It is a lot of head. Well, I was pouring for audio effect. That's fair. Um, I've got to say, it does look like every other <laughs> beer we've had since the Rickards Red. The traditional Canadian beer color. Beautiful golden, hazy to the point of being opaque. This one has a pretty nice head, though, and that head is sticking around. Nice, creamy white head. Mm-hmm. Looks like this one's won some awards as well. If you had to tell mm. someone... Try one Flying Monkey's beer. Would you have a recommendation? I don't know. I would say if you're looking for a hoppy beer made in Ontario, Flying Monkey's is going gonna, is gonna to set you up. Uh, I think they've been pushing the hop envelope in Ontario for kind of a long time. They might have been kind of one of the early adopters. Hoptical Illusion was one of the first ones I was aware of. has a really pretty uh, bottle with like purples and greens, a little bit trippy. Okay. Um, I think they're canning now, uh, which you see down here as well. But uh, I think I think they know their way around a hop vine, I would say. You can get flying monkeys here in Columbus, can you not? You can. Wylands, is that the only place, or have you seen it elsewhere? I know it's at Wylands, and so I don't have to look elsewhere. Uh, maybe Fair. it's elsewhere, but Fair enough. why go anywhere else, right? You know, it's funny because uh, they do, Wylands does sell flying monkeys out of Barrie, Ontario. They do sell uh, Nickel Brook out of Burlington, Ontario. And then this third brewery, the Collective Arts, I thought, oh, I'll bring that one. Uh, it's a little bit different. Maybe you can't get it here. And two weeks ago, I saw them on the shelf at Wylands. So Wylands, get out of my head, man. Yeah, it's not the first time we've had that experience thinking we're getting some really strange, esoteric beer that Pat's muled from the other side of the planet. And then we drive up the street and Wylands has is. it on the yeah. shelf. So hey, Wylands good, does good a great job. Good for them. I get in the aroma of this, there's really some mangoey, papaya, um, tropical fruit thing for sure. I like the mouthfeel on this one. Nice, soft, kind of cr- almost creamy mouthfeel. Yeah, it's nice. Now, does your mom go to can releases? 
Will she go stand in line uh, just to, or, I mean, to get a, the, the most fresh you can get? Tear a page off the calendar and stand. No, I don't know. She just heads down to the liquor store and pulls up the little uh, spreadsheet. And, you know, if it's if I've thumbed up it on Facebook, she knows it's a good one. And I'm getting the feeling that Pat's going to have a pen pal by the time we're done with all of this. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think you might be right. <laughs> It seems like there's so many jokes in here that I'm just having to abstain from. Thank you. With respect to your mother. Thank you. I don't even know how you take this from these Americans. You know, Pat, you asked earlier if Flying Monkeys has a beer I'd recommend. Yeah. And they actually do. There's one uh, that they make. I didn't see it available today. I don't have any on hand. But uh, when I see it, I try to pick it up. It's a beer called Theoretical Zero. Oh, you mm-hmm. mentioned this beer to me before. Yeah, I've I've had it a couple times. I've had it both uh, schlepped across the border, and I've I've picked up a couple of Wylands. I'm not sure if it's seasonal or if it's uh, they just didn't have any in stock. But uh, it's called Theoretical Zero because it's entirely dry hop, post fermentation hop additions. So theoretically, there are zero IBUs. There's zero bitterness. Now I know scientifically there is some bitterness imparted in dry hopping. You know, I think this is a this has been a trend. Uh, that we've seen in IPAs moving from the balance like bittering hops and aroma hops and then more aroma hops and then dry hopping and then post dry hopping. And I mean, to push all the way to just all the hops are dry hops. It's sort of the theoretical limit of how far that can go. And it's, and it's a really tasty beer. It's not a balanced beer. Uh, it's not bitter at all, which is how I like it. And I think it's a fantastic beer. We'll look for it. Do they grow hops anywhere in Canada or is it too far north? I have never grown hops in Canada. Well, that probably settles the question, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I've never heard of Canadian hops. There's no, like, uh, yeah, no, there's I, not even a Sriracha Ace or anything like that. I think they're not at the right uh, latitude. I think that's fair. Now, uh, Southern Ontario is as far south as Northern California. They could grow hops there. So yeah. it could be, you know, there are probably pockets, microclimates where it's possible. But I, I don't think there's a big hops growing region in Canada. Uh, I think I think uh, it's mostly grain. A lot yeah. of malt, yeah. A lot of malt. Canada malting is is pretty big, big time. Yeah. Right, very big, and and good quality malts too. Yeah, right there at the hundredth meridian, where the Great Plains begin. Exactly. If we're just going to drop tragically hip lyrics, I mean, I'm fine with that. I think this might be a, a point in the episode where we go off script a little bit, as though we had a script <laughs> to begin I was, with. <laughs> for the first time so far. I was wondering uh, when we were going to go slightly off script. <laughs> I'm throwing my script away now. And, and the question is, uh, what about your favorite Canadian musical artist? We can go around the table. Well, that's an oh, easy yeah. one for me. We'll start with Hans, because I think, Hans, you got this right off the bat. I already know it. That'd be Rush, without yeah. a doubt. What's your second? Beauty. Rush. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, Rush also is good. Rush. Man, I've got, I've got a lot of Canadian bands I like. Yeah? And really going into, like... In the 80s, Moxie Fruvis. Moxie Fruvis. Oh, that's that's right. Second favorite Canadian band. I know you better band. than you know you. <laughs> I would say first and foremost, after Rush, the fifth member of Rush, Kim Mitchell and Max Webster. Yeah. 
And so they're sitting under patio lanterns, appropriately yeah, enough, right? Under I mean, those patio lanterns. That's a good tune. I'll also say in the more uh, hard rock hair metal era, absolutely loved Helix. Uh-huh. Do you know them? Right. And Honeymoon Suite. Okay. I can oh, still okay. listen to that first Honeymoon Suite record, side A to side B. Huh. Yeah, all the way through. That's a great album. I would have seen you as a big Trooper fan. You ever get into Trooper at all? I'm aware of the band, yes. Right. Yeah, look them up. You, yeah. might, you might enjoy them. And they're more uh, late 70s, right? Yeah, that sounds right. Yep, yep. Is Pat, any- who's your favorite Canadian band? Let's get Pat. Let's get Pat. <laughs> I gave three. What do you got, Pat? Is anybody going to say Aldo Nova? Oh, oh! I don't think anybody would actually. <laughs> uh, he did have that song "Fantasy," and actually, he just re-recorded "Fantasy," uh, "Fantasy," and other hits to <laughs> modernize them. What were the other hits, though? Uh, "Monkey on Your Back" that was uh, one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, "Hot Love." Do you remember that? Vaguely. And, uh, yeah, so not many, but for Out and Nova, they were hits. And I'll tell you, he just ruined his best song by re-recording it and thinking that it made it modern. It just made it sound cheesy as hell. Yeah, it can't can't be any good. Interesting thing about Aldo Nova, played all the instruments himself. That's correct. And, you know, he wrote a lot of music. He actually uh, launched Bon Jovi's career. A lot of people don't know that. So he was in the music business a lot deeper than just those albums that you know, or album. Yeah. I did not Ish. know that. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I did not know this. Now, <laughs> what's up, Tom? Hey, we got a studio audience. <laughs> we got a neighbor stop by. Tom, uh, I'd give up a mic for Tom. Tom, who's your favorite Canadian band? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm saying Brian Adams and Ann Murray. All right. Those are good. Those are good picks. Brian Adams. I saw a really good Brian Adams cover band on Canada Day in Brantford, Ontario, uh, leading up to the uh, Kim Mitchell headliner right before the fireworks. And it was a magical night. Name some other popular Canadian bands. Bare Naked Ladies. No, fail. You've got the Guess Who, Trockman Turner Overdrive. Mm-hmm. Oh, BTO. Yeah. yeah, you've got April Wine. Does anybody remember April oh. Wine? Mm-hmm. They had a song called F-U-C-K. Do you remember that song? I do not. F-U-C-K, tell her that I love her. Are you pulling my leg? I'm not pulling your leg. Oh, wow. And when you heard the song at first glance, you thought... What is he spelling? <laughs> what is he spelling? There's your outro song. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Just Between You and Me was my girlfriend's song my junior year in high school. Yeah, that was popular when I yeah. was uh, mm-hmm. when I was younger, yeah. Triumph? Mm. Oh, my God. How could you not think of Triumph? I did, but I just I had to throw out Aldo Nova to begin with. Yeah, but yeah Triumph. That's, man, right? Triumph's a great band. Chris, what about you now? I would say the band that you're probably about to say. Uh, you're going to say the Tragically Hip. Oh, yeah. That's that was, was the thinking. other cover yeah. band before Kim Mitchell. They were the... Was it Road Apples? Was that the cover band for... They came to my campus at one point. I uh, don't recall. I mean, you're big time when you have a cover band touring, playing your music. I mean, that's a... Absolutely. That's a certain status. I think they were like called the Not-So-Hip or something. There was a play on it. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost Hip. Yeah, sure. But they were pretty good. 
Uh, probably my my favorite band is Sloan. They're out of Halifax, based okay. in Toronto now. Never heard of them. Kind of a pop rock band. They're the best band you've never heard of. They uh, they play three four songs and they all switch instruments and play three four songs and switch instruments. Really talented. The Pursuit of Happiness, The Odds. Oh yeah, I'm an adult now. That's right. That was a great. That was a great video. I saw that on Much Music. Oh man, that was a big. Do you hit. know about Much Music, Chris? Yes, the MTV of the North. You know, um, in current days, you know these kids. They've got this band, the Arcade Fire. They're pretty solid. There you go. Yeah, real good. That's right. There you go. Yeah, uh, Avril Lavigne, Justin Bieber. Celine Dion. Celine Dion. Wow. I, mean, I don't know. Really the, you're just going downhill here. This is getting rough. I thought we said pick a favorite Canadian oh, yeah. band. Oh, we've gone beyond that. No sure. one said Alanis Morissette. That's true. That's a good oh, one. Oh, that's actually. ironic. Maybe. <laughs> it's not ironic. It's not. None of it is. is uh. Isn't it? Isn't it, Chris? Isn't it? Well, her song wasn't ironic either. Not, not even the slightest yeah. amount. Not at all. Just it was ironic that it was a success. That's for <laughs> damn sure. Just a bit. I want to say last summer, Chris Murphy from Sloan and uh, the guy who got kicked out of Bare Naked Ladies, Steve. He and, must have been the songwriter. <laughs> yeah. And a guy from The Odds and a guy from The Pursuit of Happiness formed the Trans-Canada Highwaymen. Okay. Man, that was good. Really? Yeah, really good. Summer, they all played each other's songs, and it was uh, it was beautiful. Man, up on YouTube, great stuff. Great Pat, stuff. you've got to leave all this music stuff in because I'm going to look up all these. <laughs> this is my this is my summer playlist. That's right. time to do a Canadian beer podcast because obviously the Canadians can make craft beer if they can win the NBA championship. That's it. Go Raptors. We the North. Just last night. Not by the time this podcast comes out, but we're in the wake of... They'll still be champions, Pat. Yeah. Did you do some celebrating last night, Chris? I uh, I slept through the fourth quarter, but I woke up to see the trophy get awarded, so that was good. All right. I couldn't quite make it. But uh, it was pretty exciting. And then I got it this morning and just read, watched videos. I saw the guy who uh, wrestled. Uh, he was walking down the street, and the cops stopped him. And then the reporter stopped him, doing the man on the street bit. What do you think of the championship? And he's carrying a tree. And he said, <laughs> this, is, this is for Kauai. And they were like, uh, what is it? And they're like, well, it's for Kauai. It's a housewarming gift. When he stays in Toronto and buys a house, this is a housewarming gift. So it's a Kauai tree. Whoa. And he was uh, he was pretty deep into the celebratory uh, yeah. Yeah. experience. So the the reporter just kind of high fived him and let him go on his way. But uh, it was it was a yeah it was a big <laughs> big celebration. I uh, I was downtown Toronto for the two Blue Jays were uh, the World Series victories. That's right. I was going to ask you because if we go back, I mean, obviously the Canadian teams have won the NHL a lot, but that's like Canada's sport, right? But baseball was the first kind of like American sport where the Canadians crashed the, the, crashed the party. So to, to see speak. the banner fly north of the border. Well, you know, it's kind of funny because a lot of American sports leagues call their championships the world championships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes That's occasionally include a, lot, a Canadian team or two. 
So it's kind of fun that the Toronto Raptors are the world champions of American basketball. <laughs> you know, it's great. I couldn't say it better myself. All right. Now, I think it's time for another beer now. Indeed. And we are going to move on to, I'm thinking this was the first Canadian craft beer that I ever had. Okay. And, and probably one of their best known beers. And this would be uh, La Fin du Monde by uh, Quebecois Brewery Unibrew. Nice. Nailed it. This is this might be technically the first Canadian craft brewery beer that I had as well, given that, you know, our initial uh, craft brew experience was actually, you know, secretly purchased by Macro Brewers, the record's red. But I studied in Quebec for uh, about five weeks, uh, studied French at Université Laval. These were introduced to me, very noteworthy because there were the bombers, which they still make. Uh, first beer I ever saw on a bomber. The, the key thing to us kind of college kids out for this uh, interesting cultural linguistic experience, let's try these crazy beers. And it was like, they're 9%. They're just <laughs> ungodly. They're like double beers in double volume. Like Le Fin du Monde is kind of, you know, they're, they're world ending beers. But the key was people said to me, don't drink these out of the bottle. Did you just say they were world ending beers? Yes. <laughs> Very nice. So the key was because there's the layer of yeast, you know, they're, they're finished in the bottle, yep. not to drink them from the bottle because you'll slosh the yeast and you'll yeah. kind of have that experience. So I vividly remember that being the first time I'd ever encountered anything like that and it, it made an impression. And so I don't drink these from the bottle. I don't recommend that you do either. Carefully decanted. Indeed. Is it true that this brewery was actually named after a gentleman who had a connecting eyebrow? It just went right over his nose. Not if you pronounce it correctly, it's not. Fair enough. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you, it's funny when uh, I think I first heard this in the U.S., several people said uh, unibrow. I said it thinking, last night. I'm thinking, it, what is this? It comes out that way sometimes. Yeah. I've been what slapping people left, right, and center. Are they just being mean to this fellow that started <laughs> the brewery? What are they doing here? He's got an ugly mug, but he makes a tasty beer. Interestingly, this beer does not say beer fort. Doesn't say strong beer on it, doesn't it? No, I can't find it anywhere on the label. Well, but of course, that could be because it was made for the American market. Also, a uh, different pro provincial regulations. It could uh, be the Ontario regulations versus the Quebecois. The Quebecois, uh, it, it's got to be really strong before they'll say it's strong. Nine percent is not really strong. Pat, these are people that smoke in church. They, <laughs> <laughs> they, they can't turn right on red, but tabernacle, they go right through it. <laughs> I mean, 9%. I'm going to say visually, it looks like every other every, beer we've had this night. Every beer Canadian we've beer. had. Golden, hazy, <laughs> a nice head that kind of dies really off after a bit. white head. Lovely, but man, you stick your nose in the glass and it is a wildly different animal than what we've been uh, experiencing so far. Yeah, this is not, not a hot bomb in any way. No, I mean, I can remember vividly the first time I had this beer. Somebody had recommended it and I picked up a bottle. I don't know, my first thought was it's a bit like a Hefeweizen on steroids. Mm. Oh, no, I could see that actually. Um, it does have a bit of a banana note to it. I agree, and it's got a really substantial multi-mouth feel to it. And despite the fact that it's 
you, you don't get an alcohol note. You don't have an alcohol burn. I don't. I don't get an. I don't get no. like alcohol when I stick my nose in the glass. I, I get a little bit in in the mouth, but it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, so it's not nine percent. It's blended, it's present, and but it's not and, overwhelming. Um, for such a big beer, one thing to be said about Unibrew is. They have a house yeast that I think they use for most of their beers. And that, that yeast is now even, like, you can get it from White Labs. Oh, great. And maybe Y yeast. They make, uh, I can't remember what they call it, something like Canadian Trappist or something like that. Sure. That's not a small thing. I mean, mm-hmm. there aren't that many breweries who can say that their house yeast is produced by one of the, one of the yeast houses. Yeah. This brewery is, is really, really amazing. Fendumon, the Modit. Trois Pistoles. They have a oh, whole, yeah, a whole yeah, yeah. bunch of them. Um, often you can find, I know locally, a, a six-pack uh, with six different beers. Uh, pretty much all fantastic, all different directions. Uh, the Trois Pistoles is the black beer, which I found. Uh, I didn't I didn't really like the first time I had it, but I sat on it for two or three years, and I think it's just beautiful after yeah. that. So these beers are big beers. You can definitely age them. Um, but, they're yeah, they're, they're all pretty spectacular, and they've been around for a while. I have a beer... A bottle of theirs has got to be 10 years old, and it's the 16. Every year they make okay. one. You're good at on selling anniversary. that stuff. You're so good at selling that. They make Kelka Shows, which is... Uh, I don't know that one. It's, it's with cherries. It's not oh. all the time. Uh, Kelka Shows is sort of a, a certain something is sort of the translation, maybe. They make another one called Terrible. Oh, yeah. I've had that is, one. Uh, yeah. Which is pretty, uh, a, that's a like pretty a great quad. name for beer. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a quad uh, yeah. or Belgian Dark Strong. Yeah, yeah. really nice beer. I, got, I gave my father-in-law, actually. He really got turned onto that beer, and I gave him... I saw it on a bottle for a few years, and then I gave him a new one and a an aged one, yeah. like a five-year-old one. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. Has he had them? <laughs> I don't know. R- report back. Tell me. How would you guys say this beer compares to... It was not so many episodes ago that we did Belgian triples. Um, to the Belgian style triple, it compares exactly to one. Very similar, yeah, yeah. I Maybe. like it. Maybe it's a uh, three, three and a quarter because I think it leans towards quad a little bit, just in uh, the way the mouthfeel is. I don't know why. There's a little bit of that kind of bubble gummy from the yeast. I'm not going quad, but I'm going three and a quarter. I I think this yeast gives you. A little bit more esters and and less phenols than a lot of the Belgian yeast. No, I'm with you on the Hefeweizen thing. That was a little earworm. As soon as you said that, like, immediately that resonated with what I was, like, smelling and tasting. Um, that's a really good description, actually. I'm pretty sure that this beer has picked up some pretty big-time awards mm. at international beer competitions. And I know when people used to pay attention to things like Beer Advocate, that for a while it was, and maybe still is, I have no idea, the most highly rated triple mm. in, in the world. So, Well, let's put in a plug for the benefits of bottle conditioning. And I think that's where like really interesting, subtle, yeah. and complex things can continue to happen in a way that uh, they just don't um, using the other method. I think it's heavier than most Belgian triples. It's not as dry. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of heavier. So I think they probably use less sugar in the brewing of it. That would be my guess. Yeah. Or the yeast is less attenuated. I don't know which one. You, you know, would Hans, say it's heavier than Carmelette, would you? You're damn right I would. Really? Excessively. This beer, to me, it's so big, it's so rich, 
it's so complex. Like this is a, I'm going to sit and stare at the campfire yeah. and sip on this beer in like a snifter. This isn't, I'm, it's I'm a good crushing IPAs uh, in the afternoon because I just mowed the lawn. This yep. is like. This is pensive. Yeah. You sit you, there and you sort of sit yes. and you think and you reflect and it's just, it's just so, so consuming. It's, it's just such a wonderful beer. I really enjoy it. That's this one. a great description. I agree. And I think um, some of the bigger Belgian styles do tend to fall into that, that realm. Here's a question. We're drinking the Unibrew and we talked a little bit about the Du de Ciel and, and both of those are breweries in Quebec. True. And they both harken back to sort of a Belgian-French kind of a brewing tradition. We drank a bunch of beers from Ontario, which were, I would say, in the American vein. Mm -hmm. Is that just a a selective thing, or do you think there is more of a European influence on the brewing in Quebec than there is in Ontario, and the rest of Canada, for that matter? Quebec is is much more European. European facing than the rest of Canada, I think. Right. Uh, English speaking Canada is certainly that that balance between American and 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 British in a way. Uh, you know, Toronto has been has been called New York run by the Swiss. You know, it's sort of a <laughs> it's like a clean version of New York kind of thing. So, but but Quebec is definitely has has Europe much more on the mind. We're basing that on a sample size of two breweries. So Unibrew is is pretty big. They distribute pretty widely. They're really good at what they do. Is that typical of Quebec brewing in it, it, broadly? I'm not sure. I'm sure there are, uh, I don't know, but I'm sure there are microbreweries opening up in Montreal. Sure. Um, serving hazy IPAs. Serving hazy IPAs, serving sours, serving uh, ciders. Serve, you know what I mean? Right. So. But I think you can point to Unibrew and say, yeah, there's there's clearly a connection, a cultural connection between what you're doing and uh, and, and Belgium. And, and that makes a lot of sense. You know, I believe it may be time then to tell Chris, for the listeners, au revoir. A bientôt. See you soon. Okay. It's great hanging with you. To the north. To the north. I'm going to return this uh, bottle with the mouse in and see if I can get some free beer out of this situation. Decent saying, eh? Yeah. Yeah, he's good. Okay, so good day. Our topic today is music. That's right, because like, my brother and I are now... So, uh, this Canadian, this American meet up in a bar... And uh, they they get to arguing about who has the better beer. Uh, And they each sort of go back and forth. My beer's better. My beer's better. And the bartender overhears them and says, you know, guys, I have a friend who works at this uh, research lab. And he might be able to objectively answer this question for you. If you give me, if you pick a beer, we can send a sample of each off to the lab and get them analyzed. They both agree and agree to meet back at the bar with the results. So about a week goes by, and the Canadian gets a letter. He messages the American. Off to the bar they go. They open the letter at the bar. It says, Dear Sir, thank you for submitting the sample. It contains some of the highest quality ingredients, brilliantly crafted to bring out the finest character in each. Uh, it's a crisp, clear, excellently made beer. 
And the Canadian says, well, there you have it. Canadian beer is the best. And the American says, well, hang on. We didn't get my results back yet, so we'll have to come back. About a week later, he gets his envelope. They meet at the bar. They agree to open the letter. And it says, dear sir, we regret to inform you that your horse has diabetes. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that one a lot. So yeah, Canadians are kind of proud of their beer. 